service. The Lord prompted me just before we started. And uh, we started this at a, uh, last year earlier, and, and it just, I guess, I don't know, it, things happened, it was just the wrong time or whatever. But um, we have, if you look at our building, we have our logo that's up on the building. It's lit up at night, you can see that. But if you don't know what that L, uh, you know, all that means, you'll be like, okay, that's cool. But we do have now a temporary banner that's on the side of the building, and that has helped. Um, but I want to raise money to get the electric sign up. Uh, and the, the sign, if, if I have not checked this out, if we have 100 families, and so before you're like, oh, great, he's gonna, I'm not going to ask anything from you at this point. And if you're a guest, this is for family business. Don't even worry. Okay. So all I'm saying is after the first of the year, in the month of January, I want you to just pray about this. Above and beyond your tithe. How many of those tithing is just returning? I've taught you that. Giving is in your offering. But you could say, you know what? I could give $40 in the month of January, $10 a week. If I could get 100 people to do that, what's that come to? Isn't that something? Because it's about $3,800 and some change, I think. So I just rounded it up. So that's, that's doable. At, at 10 bucks, you'll spend more than that on a pizza. So just think about that. Pray about that and see, hey, I want to be part of that. Because I would like in February or so, as we get that ordered in January, to get that sign up there. And that's just one of the things that we're doing. We're doing everything we can, as you know. We do it debt-free, and we're believing God for great things. We are still revamping a kids' space, and that's going to continue. And, and as we grow here, somebody had asked us before, well, what's going to happen? Well, as we continue to grow, we're going to put out chairs on that side and chairs on this side. That will increase that way. When that gets filled, we're going to add another service. When that happens, we're going to add another service. When that happens, we're probably going to blow that wall out and go that way and then blow the kids' wall out and go that way. When that happens, Jesus will come back. I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting, and you're going to have fun. It's great to learn about God and, and just enjoy the ride along the way. So that's what we're about here, live life on purpose, and we want you to know that there is a good life that God has for you, and we want you to live it. We want you to live it on purpose. We've been talking about ghosts of Christmas past. We've been talking about things that haunt us and things that you know come up this time of year because there's emotions. Some we've lost a loved one, or things have happened, or da 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 da. You know, you can fill in the blank, and and it brings out sometimes things that we have to fight off to enjoy the season. Uh, we talked last week about being offended easily, or from small things or big things. And remember, what we said was our life is too short, our calling too big. To be offended and to walk around wounded all the time and just, you know, upset at the world. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about labels. And that'll be the last one in this series. And we've all lived with probably labels of either what we've put on other people, or what somebody's put on you, or, or your perception uh, of, of that. And, and we want to break those off. Today, we're talking about something that's kind of heavy, a little deep. Um, but you're going to be all right. Uh, we have uh, installed seat belts on your seats, and if you click those, uh, we don't have seat belts on your seats. But uh, anyway, it's, we're going to talk about shame. We're going to deal with shame. And some of these are just things that, you know, we really don't want to talk about. But yet, if we, if we can get to the point where we're saying, God, if you've already taken care of that, why do I want to live another way? If you have already released me, if you've already done something, why would I? I mean, have you ever had stuff? There's a guy that was on a cruise ship. I guess this has happened. I don't know. I'm pretty sure this is a true story. Don't know what his name was. 
But he's on a cruise ship and he has saved his money for the cruise. And so on, and he packed in a suitcase cheese and crackers. And he ate those every day. And that's all he had, cheese and crackers. And, and he got water and cheese and crackers. He didn't go to any of the dinners or any of the food. And, and he was out on the deck. And somebody said, why don't you come in and join us? He said, I don't have any money for that. It was at the end of the cruise. He had went four or five days on a cruise to wherever and just been eating cheese and crackers. And they said, well, why don't you come in and eat? And he said, I don't have the money. for. It. I just had enough money to get on the ship. And they said, the food was included. He didn't know. So he did not do anything with the food the whole time he's there. So he missed out. If God has done something for you, do you, do you really want to just go, I'm, gonna, I'm still going to live in pain? Or would you like to say, you know what, today's my day. I'm going to take authority over some of this garbage, and I'm going to do something different. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, and I'm just excited. Shame is a soul-crushing, identity-warping emotion. It is one of those that... It just, you wrap yourself of your who you are around it, and it kind of crushes your spirit on the inside. Maybe if you're like, okay, what do you mean? I mean, think back when you did something wrong. And I'm just getting, you know, and some of what I'm telling you, you're like, okay, you're talking about stupid little things. You don't even know what I did. <laughs> I probably don't. <laughs> but I'm just going to give you examples of just me. Um, when I was 10, uh, we went to, um, there on Center Street, there was a little plaza, there's a flower shop that's still there to this day, but there was a drugstore that was on the one side of it, and uh, I lived on Forest Street, so I'll give you a little bit of my history there, and, and uh, jumped on my bike, and me and my friend, we went to this because we were going to go in there and buy candy, I mean, every kid likes candy, and, and, but I went in there also, but it's probably somebody's birthday, uh, I don't know if it was my mother's or my sister's, I don't know why I'd get my sister anything, You know, my dad and mom would give her, here's a candy bar, split it with your brother. She'd shove one in her mouth and lick the other one, and then, I, then ask me if I wanted it. I'm like, no. And she'd, so she'd eat the whole candy bar. Or we'd get a hot dog. She'd eat the hot dog and give me the bun. That's wrong. They do that in hell. That's not good. So anyway, I'm looking at these cards, okay? They're just, you know, like greeting cards. And I see these little diamond things on them. I'm 10. And I'm like, I wonder what those are worth. So I, I scrape some of them off, a couple cards, and put them in my pocket. And we go up, we do whatever we're doing, we're going home. But you know what? My ride home isn't as free as my ride there. Because when you do something wrong, you know it, don't you? So we fight guilt, and then we fight shame. So I remember going, and I remember telling my mom... Mom, pick these things off the cards. And she said, well, what are they? I said, they're diamonds. <laughs> We're rich. She said, they're not real. That was no fun. What do you mean they're not real? And if they were, you stole them and you still stole them. So you know what my mom did? Get in the car. Where are we going? Back to the store. Why? I had to go pay for the cards, I had to find them, that I ripped the little specky diamond things off, pay for the cards, go up to the store owner, slap him, no, not slap him, go up to the store owner, just seeing if you're awake, 
and tell him what I did and tell him I was sorry. And then when I, so I had to pay out of my own allowance. And then when I got home, mom and dad gave me wonderful chores added for that. Now, just understand, I felt bad enough to say something to her. But what, why? Not only guilty, but shameful. One of the nice things, and this is a side note, I don't ever remember my mother bringing that story up to me again. I don't ever remember her telling me, you know, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good. Bread, you're no good. Ah. Don't remember her saying anything like that. Uh, but I, you know, I did that, but I do remember, and I didn't even say this in the first service, I remember going back to that store. I didn't want to go back to the store because the store owner knew what I had done because I had to tell him. But I remember going back to the store and the guy treated me like gold. Hey, how we doing? I'm good. Sir, I, I won't go over to the cards. <laughs> I remember him giving me a piece of, remember when they had penny candy? I remember him giving me a piece of penny candy and he said, I trust you or something like that. Something, and I remember just like, Walking out of that store like I had been restored. I want to talk to you this morning that God wants to get shame off of you. Now, I know that's a simple story, but we've all heard this. Shame on you. If you've watched Rudolph coming up, Herbie doesn't want to be a dentist. Or, or Herbie, doesn't want to, Herbie doesn't want to make toys. That's what it is. Hermie doesn't want to make toys. Shame on you. Now, now when you see that, you're going to remember me being stupid up here, and you'll say, yeah, all right. But we've all heard it. Shame on you. You should be ashamed of yourself. But see, this is what we connect. Guilt says, I did bad. In other words, I did something wrong, so guilt plays on you. But shame says, I am bad. It's a difference because shame will tell you because you did that, you are bad. And what we do is we relate with the do with the who. We connect with what we did with who we are. So if I did that, therefore, I must be bad. So I'm bad. I'm worthless. Have you told yourself those kind of things or somebody else? What happens is we have that, oh, that rush of adrenaline, you know, and then it's followed by the guilt and the shame. Because the enemy never tells you the price ticket. He just tells you, he just lures you, doesn't he? Come on. He doesn't tell you what it'll cost. And he will get you at both ends. And then he'll tell you, you're an idiot. Why would you ever think that God could use you? After what you thought, after what you said, after what you've done. I got older, went to school. <laughs> Surprising, isn't it? Graduated the top third of my class. All three of us graduated. No, there was more than three. But I was a good student. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just ornery today. But I was a good student. I was a good student. 
went into history. I liked history because history dealt with stories. I like stories because I could picture them in my mind. I could picture the war of, of 1812. Had the teacher said, what year did that happen? 1812. I was good in history. But if it was math, that was not a good thing. But, you know, history, so I was in there. And I had a guy, and I, he'll remain nameless in this story. He was a good friend. Guy was a great athlete. I mean, he's actually, he was kind of like growing up with the guy that was more like Rocky Balboa. You know, you're kind of like, you know, hey, we're going to take it. Hey, absolutely, we're going to take a history test. Hey, yo, hey, yo, hey, come on, you, you know, help me out, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's kind of how he was. But he was, a, he was a great dude, and the guy was a great athlete, man. The guy was just like a, a rock. Anyway, so I didn't know. I knew I was going to pass the test because it was history, and I liked it. And so we're going in. He goes, hey, hey, Gleese, you've got to sit where I can see you. I'm like, I'm right here. He goes, no, you've got to sit where I can see you, man. I'm like, why? He goes, you've got to show me the answers. I can't fail this, man. I'm like, so I sat, and I am not a good cheater, <laughs> just saying. So this is what I did. Psst. <laughs> just a true story. The teacher sat up front, and it's just like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and so when they dismissed the class, he let us go the whole class. I mean, he just watched me. Hey, no. That's not it. 1812. I mean, whatever. So he said, okay, you guys are dismissed. Put your papers up here at the desk. Uh, Mr. Gleesman and Mr. No Name. You want to come this way? And he's like, what are you doing? I don't... By the time I went to lunch, everybody in lunch, especially I was a jock, so all of us sat together. And no name is like, oh, man. And he never just said, like, oh, we don't, I wish I wouldn't have done. I'm so sorry. It was like, we got busted. <laughs> Everybody knew. And I felt like, you know, he, and I, again, I'm not saying I hated the guy, but it's like, it was no big deal to him. Because from what I understand, he did it all the time. I was, it was just the first time I got to be the stooge. And I said to myself, you know what? I am not doing that again. My friends, if somebody needs something like that from you and it's wrong, they are not your friend anyway. But again, life is life. You learn. But I remember I had to go to the dreaded detention. I'd never been to detention before. How shameful. What are you in for? <laughs> I had to tell him, cheating. You cheated? Well, I didn't cheat. I held the paper up for him. He skipped attention. He got more. I got out. So maybe you're saying, you know what? This is what we. Well, this is what happens. We do stuff, and we can. Then we tell ourselves, "I'm bad," because of what I did. So I, I my opinion is, I'm bad. Not Michael Jackson bad. He not doing that. But I'm bad. So we do all of that. We tell ourselves, I'm bad. Because we internalize the what with the who. This is what I did. So this must be who I am. You might be feeling this. 
I'm ugly because I don't look like Ken and Barbie. Look around. Nobody does, really. I, you know, I'm this, I'm that. You know, when I grew up, I don't think they'd even play this now. How many remember? Fat kids, skinny kids, kids that climb on rocks, tough kids, sissy kids, even kids with chicken pox love hot dogs. Oh, I'm hot. You can't sing a song like that because you might offend someone. <laughs> Shut up. Put a helmet on. I mean, life is like that. I'm no good. I'm worthless. I'm a failure. I'm disgusting. I'm unlovable. I'm weak. I'm pitiful. I'm insignificant. I'm unwanted. Nobody likes me. And we just go on and on. Psychologists say that people that have a shame-based mindset. Now, this isn't everybody. This, I mean, you might be sitting here going, okay, I'm not psychoanalyzing you, and I'm not saying this has to be you. But I'm saying people that will say a shame-based mindset they have at least these three things going on. Could have more, and it may not be you. There's exceptions, okay? They try to be perfect. That's number one. They're going to try to be perfect because their mindset is based on performance. I don't want you to know who I am. There's people in this room right now that have secret addictions. You don't want anybody to know the real you. And God wants to peel that back. He wants you to be free and live life on purpose, but... We'll hide things in our performance. We want to be perfect because we want everybody to be happy and for us to be doing what everybody expects us to do. We don't like to admit failure. We show people how good we are and what we've accomplished. So because, again, remember before when we're shame-based, we, we base our what we did with who we are so in the same mindset if we do some good things that's going to build ourselves up there's nothing wrong with doing good things but understanding our mindset can be warped we see our own faults mirrored in other people and then we judge them now again not in every case but many times people that are constantly criticizing or judging you do you realize they're probably they know how to do that they can see it because they're dealing with it that's what the bible says Last time I checked, this is, this is always right. Now, that, again, not, I'm not saying this is ever wrong, but I'm saying that may not be you. You, you may be able to go buy your fruit. You'll know them. This is what I'm doing. I, I'm not here to do that. I'm just trying to tell you shame-based people have, have this issue. How many know sometimes in church we try to clean our fish before we catch them? Boy, I tell you what, I've been in the cleaning process for a long time. Been on the operating table a lot, and God keeps helping me. I'm assuming he's doing the same for you. Remember in the Bible, that this is what the Israelites said. They had to go into the promised land, and they said, there's giants there. And giants are harder to bring down in our mind. Have you ever played sports? I mean... <clears throat> in football, there was a, there was a guy, his, he was a tank. I mean, he was a tank. You know what I'm saying? And, he's just, and he just would be like, what's the guy's name? Bettis. Uh, Steelers. Yeah, whatever. The truck, the bus. So sorry. Yes. <laughs> Jerome Bettis. <laughs> yeah, look at Steeler fans. You, you make sure you, if you had a terrible towel, you'd be waving it now, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well. <laughs> Okay, 
why don't you come up and preach for me, ma'am? I'll just. <laughs> All right. Understand what you're saying. Okay. But what I'm saying is the, the man was, you know, and we were watching younger, I mean, kids that were, if you know how to tackle, you can be a small kid and still tackle a big guy. You just have to know how to do it. They're trying to tackle him by his head. His head's like six feet off the ground past where your head is. You know, I mean, you're not going to do that. So when we, we tell them how to do it, and see, in our mind, we get our opinion of ourselves. In the Old Testament, this is what they said. Those giants, we are like grasshoppers in their sight and in ours. And that's what we end up doing. We start getting an opinion of the sight of, of just the opinion of someone else or ourselves. And our viewpoint is unhealthy. We could never measure up. We, we can't make the cut. We're never good enough. So the third thing in a shame-based mindset, so we've talked about, uh, we're critical. That was number two, and here's number three. We don't want to face the truth. We use negative thoughts as a form of protection and an escape. Everything's half empty. It's never half full. Some people just thrive on negativism. Is that right? Negativity. They thrive on bad stuff. <laughs> Not positive things. And, and, and they almost, they love confrontation just because that is where they just feel like, oh, because they can't feel accepted. Anybody ever know anybody like that? It's just, it's, it's amazing. And I mean, unless there's a fight going on, I mean, I get it if you're fighting for the right reason, but if you're fighting for just a sorry because I can't seem to fit in, Charlie Brown, you need to find some new friends. No friends, no fun, no thank you. I mean, I want life to be, at least if I got to go somewhere, I want to enjoy the journey. I don't want to camp out the whole time and not know anything that happened. We got crammed in a Ford Falcon or Fairlane to go to Michigan, a nine-hour trip, shoved in the back seat with my sister and my grandmother. Grandma sitting in the middle. We didn't get restroom breaks unless mom or dad had to go. You better hold it. You're going to go now because we ain't stopping. You know, and that guy, so this is what I did. I just lights out Sally. I just turned around and go to sleep. My sister used to make her mad. You just sleep the whole way. Well, when I wake up, we're there. <laughs> She'd be like, oh. <laughs> Next time we split a candy bar, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> there are people that will lash out at you, and they seem there's no reason, or they just jump at you, or they snap at you. Now, I'm not saying every time, but maybe there's stuff going on in their lives. Maybe there's something that they're battling. It doesn't have to be shame. So this doesn't always just shame. But I'm just saying many times if we are shame-based, it's hard for us to accept a pure compliment or to even think because we've been so trained to think that we are no good, that we're bad. Today it's my prayer that God will heal you. He provided for it already. I mean, if it's already there... Just like on the ship, do you want cheese and crackers or do you want the buffet? Give me the buffet. Why would I eat cheese and crackers? Although I like them. But if I can have a buffet, help me. Give me the plate. Give me a napkin. Where's my fork and knife? Let's go. <laughs> Somebody shouts bacon. <laughs> Be, never mind. <laughs> I'm just going to stop. 
I want to be free. Isaiah 54, 4 says, fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Now, this is the Bible, my friends. Don't be afraid. There's no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of widowhood. Let that verse sink in from your head to your heart. You will no longer live in shame. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to him, who's him? Jesus. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Your Bible might say, might say unrighteousness. Righteousness is simple. In layman's term, righteousness is just doing things God's way, the right way. That's what righteousness is. But if we are saying, Jesus, you mean you died for me? Yes. You paid for that? Yes. So here's the good news. If you're in Christ, you're a new creature. You're a new creation. The Bible says old things have passed away. All things become new. That means you're not who you used to be. Maybe you did that and you were marked by that before. But today is a new day. Today is a different time. Because now Jesus has covered you. He separates your sins. As far, the Bible says, as the east is the west. And he remembers them no more. The blood of Jesus is still alive and well today. He doesn't hold them against you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So our first one, I have two, and we'll finish this thing up. What you've done before is not held against you. What you've done, but what you were known as before. My wife, she, she's amazing. But she's told me before, she said, you were such a redneck. I keep looking at my neck. It doesn't seem too red. But I grew up. Again, I felt like I was almost the Avenger. I would go, you know, if somebody, some bully was picking on some kid in school, and the kid, is, you know, he's crying, he's a younger kid, I'd be like, get out of here, kid. Go pick on somebody else. That was kind of like, ah, oh, I just hated to see the little guy get beat up or, or that kind of stuff. And, I, you know, just, just what it was going on anyway. So it's not held against you, what you've done before. So understanding, I'm not a redneck now. The ushers are going to be busy today. But our good God forgives us. He remembers our sin no more. Work with me, people. <laughs> now, understanding that we still have to... This isn't just a magic formula. This is repentance. You know what repentance is? Repentance isn't a 360. Repentance is a 180. I'm going to go the other way. I know this was wrong, but thank God the blood has helped me because I've applied what Jesus did. I've asked for forgiveness. I've confessed it to my father. I'm not known for that now. He took it away from me. You know how you do that? By your fruit. Because when it gets gone, you might say, well, Brad, I still struggle with it. Okay, you got to keep, and I'm going to show you here in just a second, but you got to keep God in the forefront. you got to keep God in front of you because it has to leave. How many know when Jesus comes in, man, there's a new sheriff in town? And you're not the same person. Things just start happening, and you're like, case in point, there's time. Kim and I, we've been married 35 years in June. And the, here's a miracle in itself. She's still with me. I just, I stand her beside me, and I got proof there's a God. I got, I guys, I have no idea how you got her. Okay, I'll get it. But I did. And I still keep her. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. What was I going to say? I don't know. <laughs> she boggles my mind. I don't know. 
<laughs> I'll just go on. If it comes back to me, I'll tell you. <laughs> so it is true, though. Forgiveness is that real. God is that good. If we believe that. So why do we continue? That's kind of where I was going. To live in that way. Uh, you know, and how we used to be. Because now, think about this. If God is that real and that is that good, why wouldn't we want to live better than what we do now? Why would we want to leave sad, go to some place, and you're just sad, you're even, I don't even know. I don't even know why I get out of bed in the morning. Oh, gloom, despair, agony on me, deep, dark depression, incessant misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Why do we want to do that? Because you know it up here, but you don't believe it down here. And we got to believe it down here. Because people can go, oh, I know the Bible. Okay, I get it. There are people that know the Bible a lot better than I do. All right, but do you believe it? See, here's the difference. I believe it. If it says it, I don't even have to understand it. I just have to stand under it. And I believe it. So if God said there'll be three-headed dogs outside the church today, he doesn't say that, by the way. But if he did, there would be three-headed dogs outside the church today. I don't care, because if he said it, I believe it. And, and so believing something and understanding our belief system, he is that good. Why don't you let that sink from your head to your heart? Instead of just head knowledge, wouldn't it be great to know that? And it would change your whole perception and how you carried yourself. Do you know they did a study with, with little kids in preschool. And they put little kids. Now check this out. This is just on the outward. They put little boys and little girls. Dresses and little girls with big, you know, that mal, she classified her dresses. They all had to spin when she was little. If she turned, they all had to spin. And that was how she, that's a good dress. And a guy, they put the boys in little suits. Made them really, the kids changed how they acted. Because of how they were dressed and how they felt about their appearance. Wonder. Now, I'm not saying closes the magic difference. But what I am saying is your perception and your belief system linked together will change how you act. What you focus on is where you head. If you focus on your past, you can't resurrect the past. Can't change it. It's already happened. But if you know the truth, as the Bible says, it will set you free. Brett, that's easier said than done. I get it. Because this is what happens. When we get shamed in our mind, it becomes part of our identity. We kind of latch on to it. I'm used to it. Oh, it won't happen for me. It'll happen for him or her. It won't happen for me. Or just my luck. Sure, it would happen to me. You know, or whatever. And we, we identify with the shame-based mindset. Let me give a Bible example. You know, Egypt was in bondage for 430 years. 430 years. That's a long time. 430 years. Think about this. Families and generations grew up under that. Great-great-grandpa was a slave. Great-grandpa was a slave. Grandpa was a slave. Dad was a slave. Obviously, that's all I know. You know what happens? There's people that grow up under a system that was geared to supposedly help people get on their feet. But people understand how to work a system. I've had people tell me, well, you know what? If I have more kids, I get more money. 
That's kind of sad if the only reason you're having kids is to make more money. What kind of a shame-based mindset would they have? But God has a bigger plan for you. He's better than that. I mean, life is good. Is life perfect? No, it's not. You're going to have, it's going to rain on the just and the unjust. If somebody says, hey, once you get saved, it's all, it's your, oh, it's wonderful. It is wonderful, but there are still times that it ain't so wonderful. You still got to hang on to something that's bigger than you, and that something is Jesus. Because that's the only thing that gets you through. Week after week, month after month, year after year, century after century, that's all the Israelites knew. Their identity was, I'm worthless. I'm no good. I'm a dog. I have no value. I'm just a slave. Then God said to Moses, I need you to go. It's time. I need you to go to Pharaoh and tell them, let my people go. And so he does. Now check this out. Millions of people leave. Pharaoh finally says, get out of here. Get out. And they leave. They don't get very far, and then they're saying stuff like this. You brought us out here to starve? Man, isn't it amazing that we forget? Now they say, boy, the leeks and onions, it wasn't so bad in Egypt. At least we got some food. Leeks and onions, don't sound too appetizing to me. Again, cheese crackers or buffet? They're going back to cheese crackers. I submit to you this. If we're not watching, Egypt got out. The people got out of Egypt, but Egypt didn't get out of the people. It comes down to, you can I mean, you can get... I'm trying to think how I can put it. You can get set free but not get delivered. God wants you delivered. Yeah, I mean, you can get delivered. Maybe it's the other way. Get delivered and not set free. However you want to put that together. I don't know. I'm just a dude. But put it, make it work. You online, deal with it, okay? Make it work. Because what happens is, is we get Egypt in here. This is all we've known. Brett, this is all I know. That's who I am. No, it's not. There's more. God has so much more. You could have so much more. You could have more than cheese and crackers. And I, I, I married this beautiful lady. This, she's amazing. When I married her, I mean, she was the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And I, Really. And one thing, if you, you, know, you can go after her and look, she has the whitest teeth in the world, like the driven snow. They're just white. But she's meticulous and she takes really good care of herself. Again, I can prove there's a God, I just go stand by her. All right? But when we got married, now just imagine being married to me. Maybe you don't want to imagine that, but I'm just, or me being around you all the time, okay? I make her laugh. I don't always do it on purpose, but it just happens. I was the class clown in my class, but she would laugh and she would laugh. And belly laugh. And it's, she's fun. She's, all, you know, she's just tiny. So when she laughs, it's really funny. I like it. But when she would laugh, she would laugh. She would cover her mouth. And she was concerned about her teeth because they were not straight. I never really noticed 
I mean, they were always white and beautiful, and I mean, but they were, but to her, now think about what I'm saying. It was one of these where, to her, it affected how she responded. Because in her mind, everybody is looking at my teeth. And so I said, well, we're going we're gonna to fix that. She said, what? I said, well, so we ended up having a garage sale. I put a car in the garage sale. Make a long story short, everything sold. Everything. The guy come and bought everything and the car. 20 minutes left in the sale. So I, ha- I needed to have a chunk of money for a down payment for her braces. So we did that. And she got her teeth fixed. And in the beginning, when I would just be me, and she'd start laughing, she would automatically almost, <laughs> then she realized, I don't have to do that now. Listen to me. Because she got free. Not just here. Not just here. But here. Why? Because all of those connect. When you get free in your mind, and you connect it with your belief system, your actions and what you're believing to manifest happens all almost simultaneously in that realm, depending on your faith. Does that make sense? God wants to do a new thing in you. Not just free you on the outside, but free you on the inside. Fred, you don't even know. My kids do this or this or that, or you don't know what he did to me. No, I don't, but I do know this. We serve a big God. And I refuse to let the enemy run roughshod over me. I refuse. You see, the Egyptians always went back to the familiar. I'm used to this. I'm used to half full and, and not, uh, or half empty and not half full. I'm used to the other shoe drop. I'm used to leeks and onions. That's all we do. That's what we're made for. But God says, no. He wants to get the slavery out of you, the shame mindset out of you. You see, our identity has to be grounded in Jesus, has to be grounded in Christ. If you're not lining what you believe with the Bible, with the word, then you're lining it up with something else. And it's the, according to the Bible, it's the father of lies. And that's not Jesus. That's the enemy. The Bible says there's only one way. Can't water that down. It's Jesus. Not that we would anyway. We have to go the route of Jesus. We have to believe God. Now, here's the thing, and I'm, uh, you know, part of my issue is, is with myself is this. I, I don't know. You know, I feel like I'm, sometimes I'm just the, the redneck, hey, how you doing? And like, God, you want me to start a church? How am I going to do that? I don't know how to do that. I don't know that I have the skill set enough for that. And I've been doing it for a long time now, but I still got a lot to learn. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I started putting myself like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. You know and, and it's really tough when, as a pastor, and people are like, oh, I just, I'm not going there because I'm not getting fed. I mean, to you, it's like, it's no big deal. Well, you be the guy that's feeding people. It's a big deal. Because it plays on your mind. Or the enemy wants to. But God had delivered me from that. I don't let that do that anymore. Because this is what I understand. I want you to be where God wants you to be. 
I'm going to do the best of my ability to present the word, at least in a way. I'm not trying to be entertaining. That just kind of happens. But in a way that you understand it so that you can go, I can do that. There's hope. There's light at the end of the tunnel. That's my goal. Kim and I go, you know what? We want you to live your life on purpose. There's freedom in Christ. And it's better than what you know. So I have to tell my, Lord, help me. Here's our second one. And this is, this is we're going to finish up with this. We have to change our focus. Because shame identity or anything else is, is it's on you. It's selfish. I got to get my focus off me. Oh, they hurt me or they did this. Maybe they did. Maybe whatever. But let's get past that. Is God not big enough? If Jesus is the answer, what's the question? So then could God not take care of me? Numbers eleven twenty three 23 says his arm is not waxed short. He is able to meet all. Not part, not just a little bit, not some, but all of my need. His arm is not waxed short. Then God can do it. If I focus on myself, I do come short. But if I focus on Jesus, that's what I focus on. Remember Peter on the water? He looked at the waves, he sank. He looks at Jesus, he walks on water. Can you normally walk on water? Even as pretty as she is, she cannot walk on water. But if she focuses on Christ, you can do anything God calls you to do. Because that's your focus. If you think you're a bad person... Let's just be real honest. Brett, I don't think I'm worth anything. Let's just, you know, if we peeled everything back, we're probably, all of us, we're not really worth, we're, I'm pathetic, okay. I'm not very good, all right. We could all say that because we all fall short if we're looking at it like that. But when God looks at you, he doesn't see your past. If you've confessed, believed, and turned, repented. And the enemy's afraid of your future. Because God sees you and says, that's my kid. I'm going to tell you this story I didn't tell in the first one, and then I'm closing, okay? I'm going to get down. Well, no, I'll stay up here. I might come down there in a minute. Yeah, some of just warning you. <laughs> People are, okay. <laughs> Time to go. All right. <laughs> You know, when you, there's something about, we're grandparents now. And, I, you know, I never knew what it would be like to be a grandparent until you are one. And it's, it's wonderful. And our kids bring their kids over to us, and, and it's just like, you're like, oh. I mean, the kid can, I mean, Arrow, just honestly, just passed gas the other day. I said something to him, lifts his legs up, wah. I'm like, at a boy. Yeah, that's my grandson. What's that about? I have no idea. That was a good one, son. Yeah. Okay, but it's, it's amazing. And your kids, when, I, when we, our kids grew up, Mallory was, a, she was, a, I, in, my, in my own estimation, she was a track star. She's like her mom. She was, she's five foot tall with heels. So 4'11", maybe. I don't know. But she's, I mean, she's compact. She's small. But that girl, man, she was and so we went to a track meet. She was in a private school. We went to a track meet. And there were, everybody was bigger than Mal. It was like Davy and Goliath. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, and she's looking at everybody. And I said, Mallory. I said, don't matter their size. It's who gets the end of the finish line. All right, Daddy. All right. 
So I go clear down to one end. This is a true story. I go clear down to one end. And they line up. And there's big, tall girls, and they're looking at her going, <laughs> and they're making fun of her and stuff. And, and she's just, I said, don't you listen to them. Because isn't that what the enemy does? He tries to get you off. He tries to, and so they have those blocks, you know, the runners. Runners, take your mark. You know, and Mal sticks her little butt up in the air, and she's getting ready. And I'm down there, and I don't know what comes over me. This is true. It was a hundred yard dash. And I was telling the one girl, big, some big tall girl, I'm like, she's going to smoke you. <laughs> Runners, take your mark. You can see little Mal's tushy go up. And we're there, you know. And then I'll just get set, go. And then it just hits me. She's running. And man, of course, hundred yard dash, they're all, wow. And I just start going, Holy Ghost! <laughs> I'm running the whole way down, front of the stands, everything. She smokes them all. And I was like, that's right. Hey, tall jeans, huh? What do you think now? Now, I'm telling you that story to say you guys are dealing with a lot of stuff. And God is seeing, and you might all be at the starting line. And it might be time for runners take your mark. And your little tushy might have to go up in the air. But once that gun sounds... God is going to get you over there if you will believe him and quit the shame-based thinking. Quit getting the, the crap the enemy put on you. Yes, you have a past. You can't go back. Go forward. Ba break it off of you. God has already paid for it. Why eat cheese and crackers when there's a buffet? Bow your heads. Close your eyes, please. Well, Father, I got to admit, that never came out the way I thought it was going to come out. Man. 